What's your name? Molly. And how old are you? Seven. And why is Jesus better than anything else? Because he um, it, um, was um, died on the cross for our sins. Being a kid isn't easy. You know you're supposed to be good, and sometimes you feel like you're doing a great job. But then the next minute, you do something wrong again. That's why we need Jesus and to remember the good news of the gospel every day. Not just the part about when Jesus came to earth, but God's rescue plan from before he even created the world and the hope of living with him forever so that we can see through every story in the Bible why Jesus is better than anything else and why he wants you to join him. Hey, Finn. You look like you have something on your mind. Well, yesterday I was on the playground with Harold, and I was telling him about God helping me pass my spelling test. And Gobi swam by and heard us and told me that I only passed it because I studied harder than last time. He didn't think that God had anything to do with it? He said that if there is a God... He doesn't care about things like spelling tests. What do you think? Well, I know that there's stories about God doing amazing stuff, like parting the Red Sea and sending bread from heaven. But maybe Gobi is right. Maybe God only cares about the big stuff. Let's see what God's Word has to say. Can you read these verses in Matthew 10 for me, Finn? Read it one more time. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even very hairs of you head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are the you are worth more than many sparrows. And this verse in Luke 12, too. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. So what do you learn about God in these verses? I guess God's big enough to care for everything he's made. Right. And you can tell me if you think of anything else after we look at our stories today. Okay. So remember that since Ahaziah only ruled for two years and didn't have a son, his brother Joram became the next king of Israel. Joram did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, but he wasn't as bad as his father Ahab and his mother had been. King Ahab had made a sacred stone used to worship the god named Baal, but Joram got rid of it. So he didn't worship Baal? Right, but it says he kept on committing the sins of Jeroboam, the first northern king, He didn't stop the Israelites from worshiping the false gods. 
Ugh, that's kind of supposed to be his job. To help the people know how to worship the one true God. I agree, Finn. Now, Mesha, the king of Moab, raised sheep and had to pay the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs a year and the wool of a hundred thousand rams since the Moabites had been under the dominion or rule of the king of Israel named Omri, then King Ahab, and now King Joram. So after Ahab died, Mesha decided to rebel and refused to give King Joram the lambs. So King Joram gathered together all his troops to start marching out from Samaria. He also sent a message to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab is refusing to obey me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? Yes, I'll go with you, Jehoshaphat replied. My men and war horses will go with you. Wait a second. He agreed just like that? Without even asking God first? I remember that other time when Ahab asked him to go to war with him. That Jehoshaphat asked the prophet of the Lord to tell him what to do. Let's see what happens because of that decision, Finn. King Joram asked, What road should we take to attack Moab? The one that goes through the desert of Edom, Jehoshaphat answered. I have a bad feeling about this. So King Joram marched out. King Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went with him, since Edom was also under their rule. Their armies marched around the southern end of the Dead Sea. After seven days, they ran out of water. There wasn't any water for the men or their animals. So they got lost? They must have, because I'm sure running out of water wasn't the plan. What should we do now? exclaimed the king of Israel. The Lord has called us three kings together. Did he do it only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Can't we ask the Lord for advice through him? Finally, he makes a smart decision. An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha is here, the prophet who used to serve the prophet Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel went down to see Elisha. Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom also went there. Elisha said to King Joram, Why do you want to come to me? Go to your father's prophets. Go to your mother's prophets. No, King Joram answered. The Lord called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Wait a second. Weren't they the ones who decided to fight Moab in the first place? Without even asking God if it was a good idea? It does seem kind of funny that King Joram is blaming God in all this. Elisha said, I serve the Lord who rules over all. You can be sure that he lives, and you can be just as sure that I have respect for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. So God was kind to Jehoshaphat, even if he was forgetful sometimes. It seems like Jehoshaphat wanted to worship the true God, but sometimes got turned away by people who weren't worshiping God. Elisha said, If I didn't have respect for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't pay any attention to you. But now bring me someone who plays the harp. 
While that person was playing the harp, the Lord's power came on Elisha. That's pretty cool. It is, but I think we have it even better, Finn, because we don't have to find a prophet to hear God's word. We get to open up the Bible to read all of God's words. But even back then, God still wanted his people to know him. So he gave them his laws and prophets. Elisha announced, The Lord says, I will fill this valley with pools of water. This will happen because the Lord says, You will not see wind or rain, but this valley will be filled with water. Then you, your cattle, and your other animals will have water to drink. This is an easy thing for the Lord to do. Whoa, it sure isn't an easy thing for anyone else to do. I was getting thirsty just hearing about them walking around in the desert. Elisha also said, The Lord will also hand Moab over to you. You will destroy every city that has high walls around it and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs of water, and cover every good field with stones. Yikes, why'd they have to do all that? It was kind of like when Joshua led the people into the promised land, and they had to completely destroy the cities so God could start over with them. So the next day, when the time came to offer the morning sacrifice, it happened! Water was flowing from the direction of Edom. In fact, the land was filled with water. Woohoo! I can breathe again. Now all the people of Moab had heard that the kings had come to fight against them. So the king of Moab sent for all Moab's fighting men. It didn't matter whether they were young or old. He sent for everyone who could carry a weapon. All of them were stationed at the border. They got up early in the morning, and the sun was already shining on the water. Across the way, the water looked red to the men of Moab. It looked like blood. That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and killed each other. Let's go, Moab. Let's take everything that has any value. So God even tricked them into thinking that the armlets couldn't attack them anymore? It's like getting them to swim right into a fishing net. You're right, Finn. So the men of Moab went to the camp of Israel. Just as they arrived there, the men of Israel got ready to fight. They fought against the men of Moab until those men ran away. The men of Israel marched into the land and attacked it. They killed the people of Moab and destroyed the towns. Each man threw a large stone on every good field until the fields were covered. They stopped up all the springs of water and cut down every good tree. The only town left with any stones in place was Kir Hareseth. But some of the Israelites armed with slings surrounded it. Then they attacked it. The king of Moab saw that the battle had gone against him, so he took with him 700 men who had swords. They tried to break through the battle lines to the king of Edom, but they couldn't do it. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son. He was the son who would become the next king of Moab. But the king offered his son as a sacrifice to their god on the city wall. Miss Alicia, that's horrible. It's something God hates too. 
but it shocked and terrified the men of Israel, so they pulled back and returned to their own land. Why did it make them scared and go home? I'm not sure, Finn. Maybe they saw how angry it made the Moabite soldiers and that they would fight with all their strength now. Miss Alicia, this story makes me really not want to stop trusting God. God had done the miracles with the water and then was confusing the Moabites, but then the Israelites gave up at the end because they got scared. That's a great attitude to have, Finn, because God isn't going to give up on us if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ and called him our King and Lord. It says in the book of Philippians that the God who who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, the day when he returns. I'm also glad you mentioned that because our next story shows God's care for someone who did trust him. When Elisha was spending time with a group of prophets, the wife of one of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, My husband is dead. You know how much respect he had for the Lord, but he owed money to someone. And now that person is coming to take my two boys away. They will become his slaves. Someone's allowed to take their sons away? Back then, if someone owed a debt and didn't have the money, they had to do work for the person instead. And if the husband was dead, the sons would have to do the work, unless there was someone to rescue or redeem them, like a relative. But no one helped the widow, so so she wanted Elisha to be like a relative? Right. You can read another cool story about a kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth in your Bible. So was Elisha going to help her repay the debt? Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I don't have anything there at all, she said. All I have is a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around to all your neighbors. Ask them for empty jars. Get as many as you can. Then go inside your house and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. As each jar is filled, put it over to one side. So the woman left him. She didn't ask them how that was possible? Nope. She shut the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the jars to her, she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she spoke to one of her sons, saying, Bring me another jar. But he replied, There aren't any more left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God about it. He said, Go and sell the oil. Pay what you owe. You and your sons can live on what is left. Whoa, God cares about armies, but he also cares about one woman and her sons. Yeah, and I think it's neat that the woman went right back to Elisha to tell him what had happened, and Elisha could then tell her to sell the oil to pay her debt, and that she would even have money left over to live on. So if Elisha was like that kinsman redeemer for the widow, does that mean so does that mean that Jesus is like our kinsman redeemer? Absolutely, Finn. It's like that hymn that says 
He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. So just like that Amy couldn't survive without God's help, and the widow had no way to pay her debt, God sent his son to pay for our sins. So we won't have to be slaves to sin. He's like the conquering redeemer. But Miss Alicia, what about the kids in my class like Gobi who don't think they need God to pay their debt? Joram thought he could take care of his problem on his own if he got a strong enough army. But even before they met the Moabites in battle, they were lost in the desert. Anyone trying to live their lives without Christ is like a thirsty soldier in the desert. They can't take care of their problem of sin without the miracle of Christ's living water. But they have to choose to drink it. Maybe you could tell Gobi the story of how you came to faith in Christ. Then I could show him the verses about God caring about the ravens and sparrows. Because if God cares about birds, he must care about yellow tangfish and goby fish that change color too. That's a great idea, Finn. Can I pray for goby with you? Sure. Father, thank you for caring about the widow and for the way you care for all your creation every day. Would you give goby a soft heart to hear what Finn has to say about you so that goby can be joined to you too? Thank you for being our conquering Redeemer, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Miss Alicia. Well, I better hit the road, Happy Toad. Bye, Finn. And parents, I would love to get some more introductions from your kids if you want to send in a recording. So just check out my website at aliciayoder.com and you can click on the Alicia tab to find my contact page and shoot me an email. Thanks. Thanks.